time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Yes, it does. Thank you, Chad Erickson. Good to have you all with us. It's Monday, ladies and gentlemen. A lot to do over the next 60 minutes. My man Patrick Creighton will stop by and say hello. Sports Radio 610 in Houston, the host of Area 45. Get some thoughts with him. Our first of 30 MLB previews that we're doing on the show over the next 30 shows. Uh, The Houston Astros and the AL West lead things off. Uh, So we'll do that coming up in a few minutes. Also get his thoughts on some of the top stories of the day, some other Houston-related items. It's a good time to be a Houston sports fan. I mean, the Rockets are improving. We obviously know the Texans being what they are. Houston college basketball is good. I mean, it's a lot to talk about. Uh, So we'll do that coming up. The Ambetter 400, was it the greatest finish in the history of NASCAR? We don't do hyperbole on this show. We leave that to the other shows. That's what they're saying. We'll let you see it for yourself. And our very own Tino Pitino, who does a great job on NASCAR and all things betting NASCAR, uh, (laughs) wait until you see his reaction to the end of the race. It's almost better than watching the end of the race. I can promise you. Uh, We'll get into that. Something to consider. T. Higgins getting tagged by the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe they won't have to break up the band after all. Sam Yarnell, who joins us on the show, uh, as he does each and every day, says he's going to go play golf today. I was like, how is it even nice enough to play golf on the East Coast right now? He says, I'm going to go play golf. It's like, okay. One of my last few, uh, one of my last few days in Studio S here, Jason. Before we pick things up and move to another undisclosed location on the East Coast, but we'll say this is one of my last few shows below the Mason-Dixon line. I've got to take advantage of the warm weather while I can okay. before we move north and uh, things get cold. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's start things out in college basketball, where obviously the big story of the weekend was what took place uh, with Wake Forest and Duke. The end of the game, you've got fans storming the court. You've got Kyle Filipowski, who's been injury prone throughout his career anyway. You sneeze on the guy and he winds up breaking an ankle. Um, you know, Kyle Filipowski gets hurt when fans storm the court. John Shire's not happy about it. Duke's not happy about it. Everybody's talking now about the fact that we need to ban court storming. Where have y'all been? We've been talking about this forever. I've been talking about it forever. It's only a matter of time before somebody gets hurt in these court storming episodes. Be proactive. This is something that they could have seen coming for so long. It's very simple to me, Sam Yarnell. Here it is. You you know where you don't see court storming, by the way? In the NBA. You know where you don't see people storming the field? In the NFL. You know why? Because there's consequences if you do those things as an adult. But apparently if you're a kid and you go to college and you're 18 or 19 and drunk out of your mind at a college basketball game, which you shouldn't be anyway, you just storm the court. Hey, whatever. It's great. Stupid. It's part it's part of what makes college sports college sports, Jason. It's part of the culture. Listen. Yeah, great. Duke loves that culture. If we're gonna right talk now. about if we're gonna talk about the modern day Christian Leitner getting hurt because <laughs> he chose to attack a fan who was running by him. Uh, my my gosh. He didn't uh, this attack is ridiculous. the fan? We're, we're treating it like the malice at the palace here. Watch the replay. I you saw it. I'm looking at it. Right. We have it on the screen right now. 
You can see it very clearly from above. Kyle Filipowski sticks out his leg and starts to push this fan who's running in front of him. It was Bush League, and he made the fan fall. He he did accomplish his, you know, initial mission. Um, but, But at the end of the day, it's a Duke move. Uh, from a Duke team that's struggling. They've been struggling all season, flirting with being outside of the top 10. Uh, John Shire trying to put his best Mike Krzyzewski face on in post-game was hilarious. Uh, I was actually surprised we didn't see him go full Coach K and and walk into the Wake Forest locker room uh, after the game because that would just be peak Duke basketball at that point. Storming let me ask you something. Court, let me, let me ask you something. Hold on. Hold on. Let me ask you something. Even if you want to make the argument that Filipowski, and again, looking at it in slow motion versus regular speed, it's, I mean, it's easy to try and say one thing over another. There's one thing in all of this that avoids all of this. That is, don't let fans storm the court. If they don't storm the court, Filipowski isn't in a position where he either feels like he needs to defend himself, and I'm not defending him, by the way, or you have one particular fan that takes a run at him, which some have suggested. Don't know if it's true. To me, the answer is just stop storming the court. Because now we're not talking about just college athletes who, when their careers are over, they're going to go you know, be construction workers or work in the business world or work at a Starbucks or whatever it may be. We're now talking about guys with NIL deals, the amount of money that you've got in college basketball. You've got to protect these guys or these women in the case of what we saw with Caitlin Clark a couple weeks ago. You've got to protect these players. So of the, what, we'll call it 30 players on both benches in that game, it's a fair judgment to say that 20 probably at least of them between Wake Forest and Duke are are not going to play their sport beyond this level at any meaningful level, mm-hmm. right? Maybe three guys well, some might going play to internationally. NBA. Yeah, but guys play internationally. Um, and stuff sure, like that. internationally, where you're making about as much, if not less, money than you would Still. with a degree from Wake Forest University or Duke University uh, in an office job fresh out of college. Even if um, it's just and- to protect those three players, you have to protect them. So protecting those three players realistically is not worth what the that means to college means, sports. Oh, Let stop me, it. That game between Wake Forest and Duke sold more tickets and was higher attended than any game, I believe, in the last decade for Wake Forest. Without the chance of there being a court storming, I guarantee you they don't sell as many tickets. Oh, I disagree it's part with that. of the draw for the student section. It's part of what makes as a college student, knowing that there's a chance of that going to that game, that much more fun. And, and to those fans who don't necessarily have an interest in sports, those regular students that gives them a reason to go. How about a compromise? I have a compromise for you to finish the segment. Okay. Patrick Creighton, um, who we talked to just before we, we started doing the show today says this in our conversation later. So I'm going to scoop him a little bit. So I apologize for that. Get the players off the court quickly, then let the fans storm the court. And that's what they do, and that's what they did when I was in high school, and I think that's perfectly fine. If you want to create a blockade and make them wait seven seconds and skip the handshake lines, I'm all for that. But taking it out of the game completely, I just don't think is possible or logical. I wouldn't have a problem if you, as long as you get the players off the court. Because my issue is player safety in that spot. We're coming back with Patrick Creighton next. 
Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and it was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday. Sammy Arnell will rejoin us in about 20. <laughs> I watched so much NASCAR. I watched more NASCAR yesterday than I think I've ever watched in my life. We'll talk about that with him coming up in about 20. And you will see the craziest reaction to uh, what took place in Atlanta as well. Uh, we promised you 30 teams in 30 days, and here we go. 30 Major League Baseball team previews for you, and we're going to start this week in the AL West, and who better to start with than, yep, the Houston Astros. Patrick Creighton is hanging out with us. He does a terrific job. Uh, always love getting his thoughts. Area 45 host over on Sports Radio 610 uh, in Houston. All right, Patrick uh, new manager for this team with Dusty Baker retiring at the end of last season. Give me some thoughts on, on what you're expecting and, and what interests you most about the Astros here in spring training. Well, I feel like, number one, Joe Spot is not going to insist on having a guy with a 300 on base that second. He's also not going to insist on a guy who hits 140 playing every day over your young power-hitting catcher. That could have been the AL Rookie of the Year, but hey, Dusty did say Yiner Diaz was going to thank him for this one day. 
All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> you know, look, we know how good this group is. Um, you know, they were they were a game away from another trip to the World Series last year. Um, I know, I know, it hurts, it hurts. But look, I mean, the Rangers were a fun team. It's a good story for for them to do what they did. It creates now this this rivalry within the division, within the state. So it's not it's not a terrible thing at the end of the day. Um, what did you like about what this Astros team did in the offseason? Well, listen, I love the the addition to Josh Hader. Uh, back in November, I kind of laid out, these are the things I want to see them do. I wanted to see them add Josh Hader. I wanted to see them add another starting pitcher. Well, they didn't get that far with it. Uh, I wanted to see them turn over the range to Yander Diaz. They have. I wanted to see them make Chester uh, McCormick an everyday player. That's also going to happen. The, the biggest issue for the Astros, the difference between them being a 90-win team and a 100-win team, is are they healthy? Last year, they were without Juan Alvarez and Jose Altuve at the same time for over two months of the season. They were down three starting pitchers before we were a month into the season. Two of those guys were out for the year. The other one, Jose Arquiti, didn't come back until July. So their their depth was seriously tested. And I'll tell you, I don't think any other team in baseball could have withstood losing three starting pitchers for half the season the way the Astros did. And Look, there were times when it worked that well, and there were times when it was just like, man, they really need another starting pitcher. Ultimately, it led to them reacquiring Justin Verlander. But the health of this team, the starting pitching, where Justin Verlander is still not throwing breaking balls, uh, having Altuve and, and, and Jordan Alvarez healthy is the biggest difference in whether this team wins 90 or 100 games. Do you still see them looking around or trying to improve at first base? You know, given where we are with Jose Abreu, his age, that's still sort of being a plot hole for this team? I think that is something that might be uh, addressed at the break if Abreu gets off to another bad start like he did last year. Uh, It was clear that Abreu was not healthy. Last season, he wasn't moving right. You, you heard Dusty Baker make comments that he walked funny, that he ran funny. That's what happens when you have a bad back. And Abreu's desire to play every day and the team refusing to, hey, look, we need to do what's in the best interest of you sometimes and have you take a seat. When Abreu finally went on the IL in August and he comes back, he looked a lot like the old Jose Abreu. The guy had a 1,000 OPS in the postseason. If they can get September, October, Jose Abreu for a full season, they don't have to worry about first base. If he comes out and he's got a 640 OPS uh, in the middle of May, that's something they need to address by July. Do you think when you when you look at Espada and sort of his managerial style uh, versus a Dusty Baker, and you talked about some of it at the outset when we, when we had started having this conversation, is there one thing that you could put a finger on outside of the you know the the Maldonado stuff and all that? Is, is there one thing in particular that you could put a finger on where you might really see a change on the field this team with this team this season? I think Espada is more willing to make changes. Dusty, very set in his way, very loyal to his veterans. Dusty, after going through uh, his tete-a-tete, um, you know, with James Click, of I'm going to run the team my way, don't tell me what to do, kind of went through the same thing again with Dana Brown last year, where he just doesn't want any input. I think Espada is more open to that input. He should have a better relationship with Dana Brown, but also his willingness to – uh, to, to make changes, 
whether it's the field, whether it's the bullpen, whether it's pinch hitting. You saw him make some pinch hitting moves in the postseason last year when he had to become the manager when Dusty got thrown out that Dusty never would have made in 100 years, and they wound up winning that baseball game. So I think the spot up a little more in tune with every player on the roster and with direct trends that Dusty was more, this is how I want to do it. This is how it's going to get done. Don't freaking tell me I'm a Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, Jose Altuve, you know, it's kind of interesting, and I think you'll have a, I think you'll have a unique perspective to, to lend on this uh, in finishing up on the Astros here. And, and Patrick's going to hang with us for another segment. But you got to watch, you know, we all watched from, we're from New York, Derek Jeter and his time with the Yankees. Altuve is that guy. I mean, Altuve is the Derek Jeter. If you look at, you know, playing his entire career there, what he's meant to the franchise, the championships, all of that. But like Jeter, you start to wonder, when is that drop-off going to happen? He played 90 games last year. He had injury issues, that sort of thing. When you look at Altuve, where he is in his career, do you see any signs of him slowing down? Jose Altuve hit, what, 311 last year? and did. A 391 on base and... His OPS was high, and, and he's still hitting the home runs. He doesn't steal bases the way that he used to, but he's not asked to. Uh, his defense is never going to be great, but it's – Like Jeter. Okay. It's like decent. Jeter. He's, he's pretty – he is essentially the next version of Derek Jeter. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He is the franchise icon. He's going to play his whole career there. He signed till he's 39 – and he got a deal that only Altuve would have gotten. He took a discount to stay in Houston because it was important to him to maintain that legacy of being like like Craig Biggio, like Jeff Bagwell, an all-time Astro as well as an all-time player. Uh, Jose Altuve really is, you know how Jeter would always be self-effacing. He would never take credit. He would always defer to his teammates. That is Jose Altuve. You will never hear that guy say I. He will always say we. He'll always give credit. He'll credit Jeremy Pena with an 0 for 4 before he takes credit for his four-hit night. That's just Jose Altuve. And the fact that he is going to be on this team is great. I, I do agree with you, though. At some point, I see him as a DH down the end of that career. Patrick Creighton is hanging out with us from 610 Sports Radio in Houston. We'll continue the conversation with him. Some other things I want to get to as we continue on Sports Wrap. Good to have you with us on this Monday edition of the show. Sammy Arnell comes your way in 10 minutes. NASCAR, greatest finish ever potentially yesterday in Atlanta. Talk about that coming up. Hanging out with Patrick Creighton. Does a great job on Sports Radio 610 in Houston, the host of Area 45. I still owe it to, by the way, I I have to confess, I still owe to uh, Patrick Creighton. I have to pay up on a bet. Uh, We made a bet a couple of years ago when the Astros played the Yankees in the playoffs. I I took the Yankees. He took the Astros. I think I was with you, Patrick. I think it was with with you. Yeah, I see. Look at me smiling. I have to um I have to get a Houston Astros Jeremy Pena jersey. Um because the uh Astros swept the Yankees. Um so I got I gotta go get a I, I wanna get one of the Space Coast Jeremy Pena jerseys. The Space City jerseys Space are cool. City, I yeah, that's from it. the whole family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got I've got uh I've got to get one of those. I actually got a lot of his rookie cards that I'm hanging on to. Hopefully he winds up uh, continuing to be a good player for them. 
Um, I want to go around a few other things with you. One, uh, start with the Rockets. I, look, they nobody's talking about them. And granted, they're not a team that's going to win a championship this year. But from where this franchise was the last few years to where Ime Udoka has it now, it's night and day. What's the biggest thing you notice? Well, the biggest difference is they play some defense sometimes. You know, last year they didn't play any defense. Guys didn't know where they were going. They had no clue on offense. There's a lot of one-on-one ball. This year there's there's an offensive system. There's a defensive system. Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks have added that toughness uh, that this team just didn't have. And a lot and, of people laughed, Patrick. A lot of people laughed when they gave Fred Van Vliet all that money. We were all going, oh, my God, they just had money to burn, I guess. And it's wound up working out really well for them. Yeah, well, they're one and six when Van Vliet doesn't play. So without him, the offense doesn't function. He he's that important. And unfortunately, when you have a really young team like the Rockets, when you're missing guys, you don't really have the depth to make up for the guys that are missing. Uh, they miss Tari Eason off the bench. That guy's a terrific rebounder. He gets the dirty points. You know, he's a lunch pail guy, and and they miss him off the bench. Amen Thompson has been great. I mean, that kid looks phenomenal. As soon as he learns to shoot. He's going to be an All-NBA player. He defends four positions. He's got great handles. He's a terrific passer. He finishes in the basket like a champ. I mean, he was throwing down uh, the other day on top of guys twice the size. So uh, he's been really great. Alfie Shingun is a terrific young player. Uh, They've got some really nice young players. They are a player away from being a legitimate contender. Maybe that happens in the offseason looking at you, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, maybe that happens in the offseason. <laughs> oh, Mitchell's uh, going. You know Mitchell's going to either the Knicks or the Nets. Come on. Yeah, we'll see. I wouldn't go to the Nets if they paid me no matter what. That team is cursed. <laughs> every 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 decade, they try to buy everybody else's superstars and it all falls apart, and then they wind up not having draft picks for five years. Again. Again. Yeah, all right, let's keep doing this. It works so well. Um, you know, Go back. Go. Uh, I'd love to see yeah. them get another player. And I think Jalen Green, his time might be up. I think he's getting traded in the offseason. Uh, go back to baseball for a second. Um, I know you're in Houston, but you you know I like the Yankees. If they get Blake, Sn- if they get Blake Snell, are they the best team in the AL? It's hard to say they're not. I mean, Listen, Two I've been after Cy Young the award winners. Get, I mean, come on. I've been after the Astros to get Jordan Montgomery since May of last year, and they still haven't done it, <laughs> uh, which I think would make them the best team in the American League. No questions asked. Uh, yet, if, if the Yankees go out and, and add Blake Snell to all the additions they've already made, it's tough not to look at them as the number one, potential number one seed in the American League. I mean, the Yankees finally had the offseason. I think Yankee fans have been waiting for them to have. They actually, hey, we're not just going to base our entire offense on Aaron Judge. We're going to get other players who can actually hit. And, well, they did that this year, and they got one of the best hitters in all of baseball. So uh, I think the Yankees are, are definitely in for a big bounce-back season. I would not be surprised to see them on top of the American League and uh, wouldn't be surprised to find them in the ALCS. Um, give me a thought on – this uh, court storming stuff we saw this weekend. Houston's obviously got a good uh, basketball team, but we saw what happened with Wake Forest and Duke. You saw the injury to Kyle Filipowski. Um, I've been saying this forever, that college basketball has not been proactive enough on trying to ban court storming. And I think it's simple, and I said it in the first segment. I'll say it now. You tell fans, 
Guess who's not storming the court? It's not your, you know, white-collar professionals. It's a bunch of college kids storming the court. So you tell kids, you storm the court, you're getting suspended. You storm the court, you're getting expelled. You storm the court, you can't go to basketball games anymore. You do that sort of thing and be more proactive, and you won't get scenes like we saw this weekend uh, with Wake Forest and Duke. I just can't understand why, why college basketball has not been more proactive in protecting the players. You know, we saw it a couple of weeks ago when Caitlin Clark got run yep. over a People storming the court. You think back, Yankees fan, when the Yankees uh, win Chris in 77 and Reggie Jackson's <laughs> dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge trying to get around people. Yeah. There's no reason why they can't say, jump up and down in your seats until we clear the court, then you can storm. That's it. Let us get the players and the officials into the locker room, and then you can run on the court and be idiots all you want. It's actually a good point. No, it's not that hard. You know where you don't see court storming? NFL games. You know where you don't see court storming? NBA games. Doesn't matter what it is, you don't see people storming the court because it's adults, they're grown-ups. And there's consequences. Yes. Jail is not fun. Unless you're that dude in Vegas at the uh, Super Bowl who put a bet on uh, somebody uh, streaking on the field and made a ton of money off it. Did you see that? Did you see that that hasn't gotten paid out? They still didn't pay it out. It oh, see that come on. They're investigating it. They think it was like a setup where they, they did it because they knew they were going to have somebody run. So there's there's an investigation going on in that. See? That Vegas, even Vegas, when they, they lose, Ve- even Vegas, when they lose, they don't want to pay out, man. They no, don't want to pay out. Hey, by the way, I only got about 30 seconds here, but not a bad time to be a Texans fan, huh? Dude, finally. Right coach, right quarterback. Like to see them make a few moves on defense this year and get a running back. I wouldn't mind seeing them make a Bengals Joe Burrow year two jump this year with CJ Stroud. Yeah, and Stroud is, uh, hey, look, man, he was something special. And they're talking about now this whole thing about cognitive testing and whether it's, you know, kind of gone belly up because his cognitive test may not have been the best. And then you watch what he's done on the field and you say, huh? Eh? Looks like he scores pretty well to me. Uh, Patrick Creighton, always appreciated, my friend. Catch him uh, on Area 45 weeknights over on um, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Always appreciated, my man. It's good to catch up with you. Be well. Uh, it's fun, brother. Thanks for having me. And we'll do it again soon. Patrick Creighton hanging out with us on the show. We're coming back with Sam next. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Good to have you with us on this Monday edition of the show. Thanks again to our guy, Patrick Creighton, longtime friend of mine. Uh, sports Radio 610 in Houston for previewing the Astros and talking about some of the big sports stories of the day. All right, Sam Yarnell. I watched more NASCAR yesterday. Then I and I'm and I'm again. I don't do hyperbole, so I'm not gonna say, "Oh my god!" I have never watched more of a NASCAR race, Daytona 500. And I have never watched more of a NASCAR race than I watched yesterday, the Ambetter 400, 
Um, best NASCAR finish ever. It's what a lot of people are saying. Three wide at the finish line with Daniel Suarez edging out Kyle Busch and uh, Ryan Blaney. And, I mean, it doesn't get any better. And you had, I mean, this race from the start to finish was filled with wrecks. Thankfully, nobody was injured. Uh, Filled with wrecks. I think they said there was a 16-car wreck in the first 10 laps. Um. I mean, this was as good as it gets in Atlanta. The I don't think the drivers were crazy about it. Listening to some of them on the on the walkie talkies and all that stuff on the radio communication. All right, I called it walkie talkies. Fine, make fun <laughs> of me on the radio communication. <laughs> they're not walkie talkies. They're driving. It's it's. But Should it's we a call them drivey discussies? On the racing communications, a lot of them were saying, man, it's fun, but it's scary because you can wreck at any time. And guys are like, we just want to, we just want to live. We just want to survive these races. And there was a lot of that potentially uh, yesterday because there were a lot of wrecks, but best finish ever to a NASCAR race. It might be. And the proof of that is right here. Um, our own Tino Patino, who is our NASCAR betting insider, who we have on the show on Fridays during NASCAR season. Um, Tino Patino, this was him yesterday as the race was concluding. Watch it for yourself. We'll react on the other side. Three wide! Come on the third floor! Three wide! Brady! Brady! Let me get it! Who is it going to be? Daniel Suarez gets it done in Atlanta. A photo finish three wide at the line in the race of the year. Oh, I don't know whether to weep for our future because that's our future. Tino Pitino. Or just to laugh at it because he lost his mind. Now, you said there was another reason he may have lost his mind watching that. Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, To the race itself, first of all, Tino put it best. It probably is the race of the year. Um, Jason, I don't know about best finish ever. Uh, Just probably the best finish in a while. But, like, you think about... uh, the Talladega race from, I think, 2011 comes to mind. Crazy finish there. There was a Brickyard 400 in the early 2010s that had another wild finish, if I'm not mistaken. That said, this was reminiscent of the famous Cars finish, and I think we all saw that on Twitter, that comparison. Uh, in the opening out. scene or one of the opening scenes of the car movies, uh, yeah, that's what it was reminiscent of. <laughs> To the track itself and what the drivers were saying, the reasoning for that at Atlanta right now is it's we're in a weird state with the with the track at Atlanta. They just repaved it and resurfaced it. So it's asphalt now instead of concrete. Most asphalt tracks are what we see at these super speedways at these long two mile, two and a quarter mile tracks. Atlanta's a mile and a half. It's not exactly the size of a super speedway, but now it's racing like one because drivers were saying that they were generally going faster on the track. Now, this obviously crazy. 
as we saw, leads to a ton more wrecks. You have a historic amount of wrecks in the first race on this surface. And they talked about it on the broadcast yesterday, but that becomes even more important when you realize that Atlanta is the first race of the playoffs when we do get there in however many months of the NASCAR season. But that's going to become so much more important looking back at this race and how many problems, how many drivers had, and all these big-name drivers getting involved in wrecks late uh, in Stage 3. Obviously a great win for Daniel Suarez uh, hit close to home and took over the 99 car for my favorite driver of all time. But Tino and I together were on Ryan Blaney to win. We took it live in race eight to one uh, and Blaney, of course, leading out of the caution into the final two laps uh, or three laps of the race. And he looked good the whole time. And then Kyle Busch and Daniel Suarez make that push at the very end. Uh, and obviously Suarez comes away with the victory. Tino and I were texting the whole time. It was it was a tough loss for the program, uh, but we were also on Ryan Blaney top three uh, from before the race, so it didn't matter all that much. <laughs> it was great, though. So much fun to watch, and uh, great to see Tino's reaction as a as a diehard NASCAR fan. Uh, one more time, let's let's see Tino losing his mind as we as we throw it to break. We'll come back with something to consider on the other. Three wide, do it on the third floor. Three wide, Brady, Brady, does he get it? Who's it gonna be? Daniel Suarez gets it done in Atlanta. A photo finish three wide at the line in the race of the year. The 99 beats by this much! This much! <laughs> Sam and I will be back in a couple of minutes with something to consider. Don't go anywhere. Hi, friends. Richard Karn here. Now, I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. 800-394-8109. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday. Odds and ends coming up in a few minutes. Who tries to take on Cam Newton at a seven-on-seven football event? Somebody who's clearly not that bright. We'll get to that coming up. Some other odds and ends as well. Uh, Sammy Arnell rejoins us. Time for something to consider. Um, Something to consider, Sam. T. Higgins getting the franchise tag from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, 
He may not like it very much. He's going to make a ton of money, by the way, uh, for that franchise tag uh, for the next year. Obviously, it doesn't give him the long-term security he wants. And this is this Jenga game that the Bengals have to play with their roster because of salary cap considerations and how much money Joe Burrow makes. This is sort of the first shoe to drop here. Yeah, it's... So, I've talked for a while about the Cincinnati Bengals and the uh, predicament that they're going to be in this offseason. And this was a very odd decision to me. Um, just because of how expensive it is and because of the other free agents that they've got, uh, now you're going to, it's essentially saying, all right, Tyler Boyd, see ya. Um, they're not going to have the money to, to pay off all of the guys who are about to walk from them in free agency. And at the end of the day, you're starting to bleed in because you're going to borrow money from 2025 at this point. We talk about it so much with manipulating the cap and and borrowing money and moving it. This is essentially what they're doing with this move in terms of the salary cap is borrowing money from 2025, uh, which again, you look at guys like Tyler Boyd, meaningful parts of this offense. Um, it's going to make it hard, uh, especially with that Joe Burrow contract. Uh, Jamar Chase, also obviously a, a huge shoe that that will eventually drop uh, for, for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not quite sold. I thought that their best path from a cap perspective to rebuilding that roster and getting it back to the championship level that we've seen it at for three years in a row, really, um, I, I think that their best route would have been locking him down long-term to a little bit of a team-friendly contract. Now, obviously, uh, I don't have any any mind into those negotiations, and I'm not sure what was uh, important to T. Higgins. But that said, it, it would have made more sense if I were T. Higgins to try and become a, a secondary piece in a team that could win multiple championships over the course of the next 10 years. By the way, um, Joe Burrow's salary cap hit in 2025 will be $46.3 right. million. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it, it, it's mind-numbing when you think about the percentage of salary cap that's going to be taken up. Even with the boost in the cap, um, it, it's mind-numbing to think about. I think that this is the problem, and this is a discussion that we will need to have at some point throughout the offseason. This is the problem with these massive quarterback tr- contracts that Say we continue to see. Well, well, but specifically from a cap perspective, the way that they are continually structured is to be back heavy, which I understand makes a lot of sense from a GM perspective in the moment when you talk about, you know, We'll pay Joe Burrow 40-some-odd million dollars in 2025, and when we get to 2025, we'll just lease that off to 2027 and or so on and so renegotiate it, or you can renegotiate it, yeah. Sure, but it, realistically, do we expect Joe Burrow to be worth less than that and, and further than that want to take less than that with the success that he's had and also the injury history that he's had? He's going to want a little bit of... Uh, of security in general life, you'd have to think. I say all this to say, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a stretch, but the way that we have bubbles in normal real world economy, it feels like we're approaching a quarterback salary bubble in the NFL. It seems like these contracts just continue to balloon and balloon and balloon. And 
it's predicated on the idea that that's been consistent. It's not a bad idea that the salary cap goes up every year, right? But couldn't because we have made economy, that argument? But couldn't we have made that argument in a lot of sports over the years as salaries just keep ballooning at, at certain positions? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I, here's at, at the first, thing. At first blush, I agree with you, but then I think about it and I'm like, I don't know if we're ever gonna if if there's gonna be a bubble. You're thinking about that from a dollars perspective rather than a percentage, percentage perspective. And when yeah, you, because yeah. right in the NBA is where that first comes to mind, exactly what you're saying. But then you realize that NBA contracts are one thirteenth of the roster, NFL contracts are one fifty third of the roster. I mean, in the NBA, right, you're talking about two way players. We'll even bump that up to one seventeenth. It's still a factor of three uh, to get anywhere close to what you're talking about in the NFL. That's why this bubble, because you have quarterbacks who take up 2% of the roster in terms of roster spots, but take up upwards of what? 35% of your entire team's salary cap. We're approaching this bubble period, and I'm very interested to see where it pops and Mm. where we end up. Um, in case you're wondering, the Bengals plus 1500 to win the Super Bowl next year. That is the seventh best odds. Uh, if you're looking ahead to next year, they are plus 1500. And if you're just talking about coming out of the AFC, they are plus 700. Um, not even the best in their own division. If you're looking at it that way. So just something to think Take about in whatever. case you're. Take whatever money that you're thinking about spending on a football future in February that will take a year to cash, put that in the stock market and let it grow over the course of this year, and you'll be a much happier camper. And never to lose your money. Too. Yeah, never lose your money in the stock market long term. There you go. Uh, Caleb Williams, by the way, minus 1,600 right now to be the number one overall pick. Uh, Drake May plus 1,100. Jaden Daniels plus 2,500, along with. Marvin Harrison Jr. All right, odds and ends coming up on the other side. Russell Wilson will be part of that conversation as we continue on Sports Wrap on this Monday. Don't go anywhere. All right, just about time to put the wraps on this baby for a Monday. We'll continue our AL West MLB preview on tomorrow's show. But in the meantime, time for odds and ends. Odds and ends. The end in sight for Russell Wilson in Denver says, reportedly, take the league minimum to play somewhere next year. Um, Sam Yarnell, where will Russell Wilson be playing as a starting quarterback, if anywhere in the league next year? I don't know, Jason. I don't. The dude's career is over. I got one I for hope you. It's I'll nowhere. give you one. How about Atlanta? I don't. I think Atlanta's going to go for Justin Fields. I really do. But if they can't, that's not terrible. No, you're right. But but at the end of the day, how does Justin Fields? Why not? Where both? Does Justin Fields ends up that end yeah. up then. Yeah, I don't know. Well, here's a realistic possibility, actually, that would work to your Atlanta theory. Russell Wilson goes to Atlanta, Justin Fields goes to Denver, and Caleb Williams goes to Chicago. I like that game of musical chairs. It's kind of that could be one. It's not. It's not a bad. That's not a bad on the fly sort of uh, theory you bring up there. I still think Russell. I got to tell you, I still think Russell Wilson can play. 
I watched a lot of Denver football last year. Um, and I do a lot. I, I scope out a lot of highlight packages because of, you know, what I do and putting together the show every day. Uh, for people who don't know, I put the show together every day. Um, that, to me, I think he can still play. I'm not saying he's, you know, Russell Wilson from six years ago, but I still think you can win more than enough football games with Russell Wilson, uh, even at this stage of his career. It's hard because you got to think who's willing to pay that much for Russell Wilson. There's well, a lot he's of money. Play, no, but he's saying he'll play for the minimum. So, so if, if that's he's true, really play for the minimum. Hear me out here. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco 49ers. What you doing? Well, look, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. Uh, hands down. I don't know about that, but but I mean, look, if you are Kyle Shanahan and we know you've had doubts, obviously, if you were willing to call Tom Brady uh, to come and be the quarterback of the 49ers, would you be above calling Russell Wilson? Probably not. Better Probably than Sam not. Darnold, yeah. even if you're using him as a backup at that point, yeah. or, or want to have a competition between him and Purdy, whatever the case is. Backup. At the end of the day, I, I think Russell Wilson probably is more talented, maybe physically at this point than Brock Purdy, maybe not physically, um, but in terms of mental acuity and, and football IQ and all that kind of stuff, all those other words that we talk about when describing the perfect quarterback. I think Russell Wilson is probably on a, a decently higher level than, uh, than, than, oh, I almost forgot his name. How about Pittsburgh? I wish I could. How about Pittsburgh? I think they're going to believe in Kenny Pickett. I really do. I think that, uh, I think that that offense is going to struggle again this year under Arthur Smith. I, I think that it's going to be a very uh, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris heavy season. <laughs> That's just my early right. prediction. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna heavily invest in the two running backs there in fantasy, and also Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. I don't think they're going to move the ball a lot, and I think Kenny Pickett is going to be fine for All that. Right. We got 60 seconds on Cam Newton getting jumped at a seven-on-seven football event in Atlanta over the weekend. What are you thinking? Have you seen Cam Newton in person? I have. If you have not seen Cam Newton in person, the dude is a giant wall. I mean, he's a physically imposing human being. Even at this stage in life, he keeps himself in good shape. What are you thinking going after Cam Newton? The the most impressive part of me uh, to me of that whole fight was throughout the entirety of it, Cam Newton's hat stayed on. The hat did not move. <laughs> An inch throughout the entirety of the kerfuffle. It's it was true. awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Anthony Kim reportedly returning to golf. Live Golf is not making any comments on it yet. Greg Norman did. Then I think he might have taken the comment down off of social media. Live Golf reportedly will be where Anthony Kim resumes his golf career 11 years after last playing on the PGA Tour. This is wild, and I will say, you guys know how I have, I have how I've felt about live golf, as we've done the show, um, this show and the radio show and everything else. This is a coup for live golf to get Anthony Kim because he is one of the biggest mysteries in golf. A lot of people have been wondering about what he's been doing over the last 11 years, if he would ever come back and play, the whole insurance policy, how much he's going to have to pay back. It's going to be a very interesting story to follow. Um, if you've got something to add, add it quick, because i got to say one thing before we go. 
Well, you've got to just imagine that Live Golf is going to be the one paying off whatever whatever he owes to the insurance That's company. That's exactly right. Last but not least, let me say this as we throw the odds and ends up there to, to kind of wrap things up here. Um, congratulations to Peter King, one of the all-time greats when it comes to the NFL and the covering of the game. Uh, he announced on his Monday morning quarterback um, feature that he puts up every Monday morning that he was retiring after, I think, 46 years or something like that, over 40 years, um, and and having been one of really the stalwarts of, um, of, of covering the NFL. I had a chance to interview him a number of times uh, over the years, and I have to say one of the coolest things I ever got to do was ride on a bus over to the Pro Bowl in 2010 in Miami, and he was my seatmate next to me. And just talking football with the guy and picking his brain was amazing. Congratulations on an amazing career to Peter King. It's, I mean, obviously I haven't been around for his entire career, but he's been around for my whole life and he's been a huge part of football coverage the entirety of it. We'll see you tomorrow.